podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. A Celtic State of Mind. My name is Brian Degnan and today I'm joined by James uh, McKenzie and we're going to talk about all things Celtic. Now, the eagle-eyed amongst you will notice that there's actually only two of us here instead of three. Um, as always with pre-season, we've got a couple of, couple of call-offs, a couple of, couple of late knocks, so just with me and young James today. So before we start talking about all things Celtic and of course James's new haircut, um, James, first of all, pal, how are you today? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm a, a bit shattered from my night shift last night, but we're, we're doing all right. And I'm sure the the commentators will be happy that there's only two folk talking rubbish instead of three. That's right, that's right. There's only two folk to take aim at, so that's either double the abuse or double the compliments. We'll find out soon enough. Um, in terms of comments, get your comments in the chat. I'll try and get up as many as possible. Um, so we can, any questions you've got, any comments you've got, any thoughts, we'll sort of try and get up and we can discuss. Um, First of all, one of our regulars, Paddy. Afternoon, Brian James. Paddy, absolute pleasure, pal, as always. James, first of all, the tagline. Edward Michu, or Edward Michot, or some form of that, um, is on Angie's radar. He's been linked um, from various sources. We have moved from PSG to Celtic. How do you feel about that news today? It's, um, it's, been, a, it's been a week or so since we've had any good transfer news, so what's your take so far, James? Yeah, there's been a bit of a sort of stagnation in the rumours since Jota signed, but with the Jordan Larson rumours, things have sort of started to pick up again. On Mishu, it's but well, one positive is it could potentially see the return of the I want to be Edward chant, which is always a positive because that blasting around Celtic Park was always a brilliant sight. But it seems like a promising player. He just can't get the minutes at a team that's absolutely loaded with talented players. Like Jorginho Wijnaldum can't get a game there, so that speaks to the levels of quality in their midfield. And um, much like Bernabe is a young, promising French midfielder, that hits sort of all the taglines that you'd be looking for, for a, to get you excited about a signing, especially considering how many good French players there are these days. You've just got to look at the players that get left out of the French squad. You could build a squad out of that and it would probably still be top 10 in the world. And PSG, they've had quite a few sort of talented youngsters that have left them for game time elsewhere and PSG they'll be kicking themselves that they missed out on them for example and Kunku went to Leipzig to get more game time and he's now a £70 million player on the transfer market Moussa Diaby at Leverkusen as well Coleman at Bayern Munich there's lots of players that have left PSG for greener pastures and everything's turned out well so hopefully we can maybe secure one here as well Fingers crossed as I said the last time we signed a, a French Eddie from PSV it's fair to say he was pretty successful. <clears throat> the type of player he is, um, he's been compared, certainly of the highlights we've seen, to a young Verratti. If you've got that type of calibre of player, it can only be good for Celtic. He seems to be um, a sort of almost deep line playmaker. Not really a ball winner, but 
good passing accuracy passes through the lines. And I think I was talking to Jared from um, Southampton Under, and he said that traditionally speaking, Postcoglu always has a player in his team like that. That's a midfield pivot, <coughs> collects the ball from the back, passes it out. Do you think this is then he's going to come in as a starter and McGregor's going to push up? Or do you think there could be an alteration to that formation in midfield? Because it doesn't seem like a traditional number six in the mode of what we were maybe expecting to come in. Um, that's it's a very tricky question because we've got so many quality players in the midfield. But like Cal McGregor is undroppable, basically. But we all know that with the amount of minutes that Cal McGregor's played season after season after season, they'd be easing some of his game time with a young player to develop as well could be a really positive thing for Celtic. Paul comes in here to say, let's be honest, if he was a young Verratti, PSG wouldn't be selling him for £2 million. Paul, that's a decent point, but what you need to consider is his age. He's only 19. Um, he may be in the last year of his contract. So it could be the case that they're just taking that for the sake of getting a compensation fee as opposed to him being rated at £2 million. Plus £2 million, I think it's just the opening bid. So that may change. Um, or he could be right. He could just be one of those players as the, the next so-and-so. The, the next Drogba Bayou is the next Drogba at one point. So these things are always a bit hyperbolic, so we just need to remain to be to be seen. Um, <clears throat> in terms of players coming in, we've been linked. We were linked with uh, Burnaby very um, heavily. Linked with Vinicius Souza. That seems to have gone. I think he's Espanyol now. Hmm. I've not really been linked with anybody as strongly for a while. Is that a concern for you, or do you think we're just biding our time, or do you think there's enough going on in the background that we don't need to worry? I don't. I think if we hadn't had as much activity in the transfer market as we've had already, because we've already made three signings and spent what maybe around fifteen, sixteen million, something like that. So if we hadn't spent as much money as we have, there'd maybe be a little bit of a cause to worry. But then again, there's no Champions League qualifiers to play. Celtic can bide their time in a transfer window. There's no rush, which. We haven't had the luxury of that for ages. Um, as far as Vinicius Sosa goes, he's went to Espanyol. The player we're linked with now is, is it Fausto Vera? If I was to make a guess on how to pronounce it, it would be that. But it was quite interesting seeing us get linked to all these Argentinian players. It's just another untapped market that Celtic have really been pushing for. We signed our first Argentinian player and there could be a second follower in the door. That's quite correct. Um, Daniel Mack comes in to say, Nishu looks a bit lightweight for Scottish football. We had a conversation just before we came on air, James, um, basically talking about that type of thing. He is, um, he is five foot ten, um, 19 years old, very physically fit, but maybe not the type of sort of commanding physical presence we're looking for. Do you think that would then mean that he would maybe push forward a bit and we still be looking for someone who's got that sort of that traditional... Victor Wanyama type physical presence in the middle of the park or do you think there's less of a focus on that with this team because last season it was one of those sort of accusations that were levelled a lot is that we were very lightweight but because we passed teams off the park a lot of the time and sort of dominated I don't think it was quite as much of a factor as we expect however I would think going into the Champions League no matter how good you are technically you still need that sort of elite athlete level physical player would that be a concern for you that there might be no targeting players of that physicality? Or again, do you think that's something that's still to come? Well, I was a big supporter of the getting Vinicius Sosa in because I've thought for years that we needed a physical presence in to help us push on in Europe because we always get overturned in the midfield, whether that be the other team just being more fit than us or just being way more physical than us. And it's it's quite interesting because Enzo Mishu seems like not Enzo Eduard Mishu seems like a different like a different type of player from Vinicius Sosa as he said Sosa's more of a a ball winner whereas Mishu's a bit more of a, a sort of deep lying playmaker so the fact that we're looking at a different type of player makes me think that we could still be going for a ball winning midfielder and perhaps Foster Vera is the player that we'll get in Joe comes in to say and you may always get the uh, get what he wants, but what he gets is always good for the club. And I think that's one of those things that almost takes the, the tension off of this transfer window because we're sort of, I think in general people have been a bit more relaxed 
or as relaxed as we can be in pre-season, but certainly compared to last year, it, it's a breath of fresh air. How are you feeling this transfer window so far, James? Have you been quite happy? Are you nervous? How's it compared to previous transfer windows? I know you're only about 14, and you might only remember a couple, but um, it, it, for ones you bear in mind in previous years, it's, it's been really positive. I think there's just positive positivity all around the camp because the last few years we've had to hold out for players who want to be guaranteed Champions League football. So we've had to wait until all the qualifiers have done. So all the business has been done very late on. So as I said earlier, the luxury of having automatic Champions League football right away is just allowing us to get business done so much quicker, which is only positive for Celtic. Absolutely. And Jim Dolan comes in to say good afternoon all and hail, hail. Hail, hail, Jim. For everyone that's commenting, that's watching, please don't forget to like and subscribe. It does help out the channel and um, it does get us to start up your comments and get more involved. Celtic follower comes in to say, it looks like the Misha Stone's gathering haste. I still think we need to turn the squad, preferably Bain, Julian, Welsh, Urikide, McCarthy, Johnson and Ayeti. We're going to go into some detail about each of those players, but and sad news today, Paul and Golly, he's gone, he's off. Um, he left, I think it was yesterday the news broke. He's about to Belgium side. What's your memories of Ball and Golly? And are you sad to see him go? Well, I thought in his first season, it might be a bit of a controversial opinion, but I didn't think it was that bad in his first season. There was a couple of occasions, I remember, I think it was the Clues game at home, he was really good on that day. The the first derby at Ibrox as well. I thought Boy Bongo was very good in that one, but in the rest of his derbies against Rangers, he just wasn't very good. And the disaster that was his wee jolly to Ibiza <laughs> or wherever it was in the prime of COVID that nearly got Scottish football shut down. Uh, that just that just written off his career. It was his own mistake. And it, it's his prime years of his career. That's the sort of years where you've got to be really pushing on as a player. And he's cost himself playing time in those years because of his own mistakes. But he was only really used sparingly since then. He was only really used as an emergency backup when Greg Taylor was injured. So that's, we're just so happy to see the back of him get the wages off the bill. Well, I think that's key, isn't it? Is, is um, getting the, the wages off the bill. And I don't think there'll be any huge amount of love lost. Paddy Lavery again coming in to say bye bye goalie. And the interesting thing about Ball and Goalie is that he probably had a chance under Ange. I think he actually could have been a player that suited the system. He, you know, he was a lot better going forward, a good recovery pace, but I think just the off field sort of antics never quite worked out for him. Jerry Coyle comes in to say, I'm getting really excited. Jerry, I'm assuming you're talking about the transfer window and not just about James' new haircut. Um, either way, pal, thanks for watching. It's always a pleasure to have you here. Um, in terms of the, the squad trimming then, obviously we've got rid of a ball and goalie. Barkas is out in the loan with option to buy. Um, how many other players do you see going out? Scales as well, Montgomery are gone, um, only on loan. How many other players do you think we need to almost get rid of for that squad? And out of those players I mentioned, is there any players that you think have a future? Well, we know how I feel about Christopher Julian. I still think he's got a part to play. I really don't want to see him leave. But as far as the other players that you would think that Celtic would be looking to sell, I think Mikey Johnson and the Yeti could be shown the exit door. That's if we can find a suitor for the Yeti because his wages are apparently very, very high. And if you could take into account the fee they paid from, you would you you could believe that very easily. So. We were able to get suits for Barcast though, and he was on very high wages. So if we can do that, God knows how well we must be advertising these players to these clubs because why are they signing these players? I just don't get it. But hopefully we can get Ayeti off Ayeti's wages off the bill. Yeah, I think as well, it's not just the, the higher earners, I think it's some of the maybe sort of mid to, to low earners at the club. But that adds up. If you've got a squad up, you know, if there's ten players there and all small wages. You know, that equates to one big wage, right? So, guys like Shaw, Urigidi, do you see a, a future for them? Both have sort of featured in pre-season. Um, do you see them having a place? Do you think they're in there for the shot window? What's your take on those two? Well, I think Asazi Urigidi has only really been used because Juranovic and Ralston are injured. 
And we can't really say Yurigidi is impressed in pre-season. I think he's actually been really poor. And there have been reports all throughout last season that Yurigidi really wasn't favoured at Celtic. And the fact they were sent out on loan with an option to buy to Belgium shows that we were trying to offload them. We were open to considering it. So I think Yurigidi could maybe be shown the exit door this summer if we can find a suitor. As far as Liam Shaw goes, I didn't really pay too much attention to his own spell at Motherwell. So I'm not too sure how much game time he got there, if that was a really positive loan spell. But he was really highly rated when he was playing down the English Championship. So there could maybe be a future for Liam Shaw, but I'm just not sure. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I remember actually when um, this time last year at pre-season, I thought Liam Shaw looked all right. I thought he looked, you know, again, he was that sort of big physical presence we would like and he was putting himself about but I don't know if um, you know his time at Motherwell I think was affected by injury to be honest I think um, I think he missed a bit of game time the interesting thing about Urugidi now anyone that watches this knows that I've not been a, a fan of him I don't think he's impressed at any time I've saw him if I'm honest um, you know I think he had the, he's, people talking about being this raw talent but he's 22 and I feel like you know, at that stage, has he got a lot of development to do? Probably, but I think you would know by now if he was good enough. And it, just for me, he's never really shown enough that, that he's he's going to make the, the grade of Celtic. So it'll be interesting to see. I think the Belgian club he was at actually wanted to keep him. I think they, wanted to buy, could they? they couldn't afford it, um, which was quite interesting. On the subject of that and these players going out, I were talking about getting them off the wage bill, but surely it's quite important that we try and hold out for transfer fees and try and get something for these players. And I think that's where this sort of loan option to buy comes in. Because the worry is that if we just let players go sort of off the books for the sake of getting them off, but don't get anything in at all, do you think that risks getting other players in? Because regardless of how Celtic perform in their the way the transfer market's been working lately, we do have to balance the books, right? Yeah, you, you've just got to consider the amount of money we paid for these players as well. I can't see many occasions happening like this under Ange again, where we've got these big money flops that we've got to sort of ship off and try and make some sort of money for, because Ange is really good at pinpointing his signings, and they're always going to turn out to be good signings for Celtic. But I, you just hope that we can make some sort of money off of these players. I'm not, do you know how much the uh, sell-on is for Sorrow if we're able to sell him? I don't know. I, I don't imagine it would be particularly much. A couple of million probably, but I, I can't see any certainty. Uh, well, hopefully we can get something for him. The same. I don't know how much we would get for Ayeti, maybe about one and a half million if we were lucky, if we were really pushing it, but who's really going to be looking for these players? Well, we, there was a, a, a report today kind of going through some of the squad and seeing who was transfer listed. Or apparently, Ayeti is someone that is transfer listed. But do you think if he goes, for example, Ayeti, now I've spoken about the, the sort of front three, I think we just need another winger to come in. I don't think we need a striker. But do you think if Ayeti does go, it does leave a short up front? Or do you think the boy Kenny, who I think has done quite well in pre season, do you think he can come up? Um, I think, well, John Joe Kenny, not John Joe Kenny, Johnny Kenny looks very promising, but you've got to think, I think Andrew would be favouring someone like Maeda up front, or even maybe Abada up front, ahead of pushing Johnny Kenny in. But you would hope that he does get a couple of opportunities in the new season, but I think some of the wingers getting played through the middle, Andrew would probably be favouring that. You, you would think so. It's going to be interesting to see where that gets um, sort of developed. You mentioned Julian earlier on. He's featured in pre-season as well and he scored. How have you found pre-season in general so far? I know we've only played the two games. We've got a third game tonight against, um, I can't even remember their name, Banik Ostrava. I'm probably butchering that, but no need to see it tell me any difference, so we'll go with that just now. Um, how have you found it so far, pre-season? What's been your overall thoughts, James? It's been sort of an interesting insight into some players that we haven't really got a chance to see. It also shows how the manager's feeling about some of these fringe players or young players, like guys like Iriguchi, there was questions about whether he would have a role to play at Celtic next season after his injuries. But 
he's been playing and he's looked pretty impressive and it shows the young players in the B team that he seems to value and they could have a role in the first team in the future as well. Guys like Boson Lowell has looked very composed playing alongside some of the first team players. Same with Rocco Vat. I thought he was particularly very impressive and the friendly against what, what was that first team called? I can't remember the name uh, of it. The Austrian League team. Wiener Victoria or something like that. But I think some some of the young players have looked very impressive. It shows that Ange is really going to be focusing on pushing some of the young players forward for the future. That's absolutely correct. Um, <clears throat> Simon Thomas comes in to say, need to play Kenny and Lowell against better opposition to assess our potential to play in the first team. I think that's absolutely right. And I think that with Lowell, he is one of the players that I said last season at the B team level, I thought stood out. He, for me, was a kind of, he looked like a first-team player that had been dropped into the B squad. And I think he sort of looked quite comfortable. Um, you know, I, I think, obviously, he was, wasn't in a challenge in the first game, challenged a bit more against Rapid Vienna. So, it be interesting to see, do you expect him to start tonight? And, again, we mentioned Julian earlier, he's sort of partnered alongside Julian. And it looks like um, Andrew's sort of trying to play duels together when he's rotating. It seems to be where he rotates, he rotates both centre-halves. Do you think then maybe a couple of league games, Julian and Law could actually start for the sake of resting? Guys at CCV and Welsh? I mean, depending on who the opposition is and depending on where we are in the league, because every game for Celtic in the season is must-win. So you can't afford to make too much rotation where it has a negative effect on the team in the end. But as far as the Barakastrava game goes, I would like to see a mixture of the first-team players and young players, because then you can really see how these players would fit in in amongst these sort of starting players. So if you're just putting out a lineup of young players, you're not really getting a proper feel as to how they would bed into the first team. So a good mix of the two would work well for me. Who's been your sort of key standout so far in pre-season? Not just young players, just generally about the squad. What's been the sort of most pleasing aspects? Um, and have you saw any differences in the players from last season? Um, well, there was a lot of people who weren't really seeing David Turnbull as a starter, but I thought he was very impressive against Rapid Vienna. I thought David Turnbull was brilliant. I thought Rio Hattati was really good in the first friendly as well, but you've got to consider the quality of the opposition when you're taking that game into account. I thought Kyogo looked really sharp in the Rapid Vienna game as well. I think Kyogo is the best player in the country, in my opinion. And Georgius Yakimakis will be looking to compete for that place with Kyogo. And that's only going to have a positive effect for Celtic. Because when you're having those two top quality players competing for a place in the national team, first of all, and second of all, pushing themselves to get better at Celtic, it's only going to pay dividends for Celtic. When you speak about players looking to compete for the national team, a player that I think is worth talking about as well is Matt O'Reilly. He's a player that so many people admire for so many different reasons, right? And sort of all, all definitions of the world. Um, he, I think, is someone who's going to be absolutely essential for us this season. I think he's got all the sort of ingredients of a top, top player. You know, he plays that sort of clever ball. We talked about physicality earlier on. I think he's like six foot two. Mm-hmm. So he is a big guy. He's quite strong defensively when in the ball back as well. I think that's a part he's getting a sweet but underrated. Who do you see partnering him in this midfield? Because it feels to me like Turnbull's fighting with him for that position. I feel like they play that similar sort of 10. I feel like Hitata is box to box. Is McGregor going to be box to box as well? And then a new number six? Or do you think it's Turnbull could actually partner O'Reilly or how do you see that working out? And do you even see it in the same sort of three uh, partners all the time just rotated? I think if you look back to last season, when we played Turnbull and Rogic together in the midfield, it didn't really seem to work. And Turnbull, Rogic and O'Reilly are sort of similar players. They fit a similar mould. So I think if you tried to play Turnbull and O'Reilly together, it would just be the same sort of effect as Turnbull and Rogic. It wouldn't really work. I think it would be McGregor in front of the defence because we know how good he is in that position. And then you would have Hatati and either O'Reilly or Turnbull. And I can go back to my point I made about Kyogo and Yakimakis with Turnbull and O'Reilly here. Two players looking to push for the first team. O'Reilly looking to push for a spot in the Denmark squad. 
for the World Cup and it's only going to make the both of them better and it's only going to pay dividends for Celtic. Yeah, I think so. One of the guys that's come up in the comments a lot is this man, Iriguchi. Jordan comes in to say, keen to see Iriguchi. Always thought he had it. Um, I was under the impression he was a number six. Iriguchi, I thought he was this kind of over midfielder, but in pre-season so far, I think I'm right in saying he's been played as that sort of attacking midfielder. Do you see him fitting into that role? Do you think he's cover for Hatate, say? Is that sort of number eight sort of ball energy? Or do you think he will, in fact, play, say, behind McGregor in the, the sort of pecking order? Um, look like, in the way that we were setting up, like in the Wiener-Victoria game, it was James McCarthy who was sitting in front of the defence with Idiguchi and Hatate. But I think Idiguchi will be maybe competing with Rio Hatate for their position. I think we were fairly comfortable to play two more attacking midfielders in that game against such a lower opposition. But I think Idiguchi will really be competing with Hatate for that position if you just consider those friendlies and they'll be looking to bring in a new midfielder to compete with McGregor. Absolutely. Um, Steve Boy comes in to say, I want to see how Gucci reacts to being putting under a bit of pressure. And that's absolutely right. When you play for Celtic, you're going to have to take those demands on and run with it, even if things aren't going that well. We saw that with Hitati last season. There was times where he'd, he'd sort of been open about the fact that he was a wee bit fatigued. He was under the cost a wee bit. But when you play for Celtic, that's part of the job, right? When you put on the jersey. Um, so it'll be interesting to see you know, how how he step up and if he steps up, if he sort of breaks that mould. Um, and just quickly before we move on, you mentioned James McCarthy. Do you see him coming in? Because it feels to me like it's McGregor and McCarthy in that number six just now until we get someone else in. So by that metric, you've got to assume McCarthy's going to feature, right? Or am I wide off the mark, do you think, James? I think considering the fact that we're looking for a number six, Say, says to me that James McCarthy maybe isn't going to play as big a role as some people might think he's going to play. I think he was going to be playing a sort of bit part role anyway as a, a backup to McGregor who would be playing the majority of the game. He's the captain, so he's not going to be getting dropped. So McCarthy, he would sort of be playing the same role he was last season, just coming off the bench where we need a bit of, a bit of composure and to shore up the defence and sort of just keep the heads when we're trying to see a game out. McCarthy will be playing that sort of role. I think especially in some of the European games, I think McCarthy can really help see out games in that. Uh, he, is sort of, he is sort of one of those players that comes in. I just wonder if, um, you know, as Liverpool comes in to say here, and will make sure that anyone who's surplus, surplus to requirements will go out the door. And I wonder how that works with McCarthy. If we do say someone, do you think he's there? I mean, based on his sort of contract length and, and I suppose wages, is he someone you would look to offload and get a replacement in, or do you think it's worth keeping him just in the background? And will he be satisfied with that? I think. Well, we know how much he likes Celtics. I think he would be fairly comfortable just being sort of in and around the squad, the same sort of role as Scott Bain, where you're that liked in the dressing room. It's better to keep you around than to lose you. So these players, if they want as liked in the dressing room, they could have maybe been seen as surplus to requirements. But because they're so liked, it's probably worth just keeping them around. Elfin Priest comes in to say, I don't understand targeting a holding midfielder when Callum McGregor is able to play 67 games a season and a fair few can cover there. We should take on that because I, I, my concern is, as Dr Nax comes in to say, if Callum Mack gets injured, who runs at midfield? Who's capable of doing that job? The reality is, you know, you assume Cal McGregor is going to play most games, but I don't think we're in a position, although the squad's getting stronger, that we can just rely on a Cal McGregor playing 60 games. I mean, imagine he does a, a cruciate ligament first game of the season. There's no squad at the moment, in my opinion, can come into that role and do the job the way Cal McGregor does it. So surely we have to be signing a player who's as good in that position, if not, sort of, could be better to challenge him for that. Yeah, and as McGregor gets older as well, you don't want to be consistently playing him in this many games because as he gets older, it's just going to risk burning him out. And then he's, you don't want to burn out a player like Cal McGregor. You want to 
get as much use out of his qualities for as long as possible. You want to be keeping Cameron Gregor around the Celtic team for as long as you can. So the way to do that is to bring in a player to give him a bit of rotation. Brown Warrior comes in to make a really good point here. You take McGregor out of there, the ball slows down from back to front, starts going sideways like it did on the Brown. Uh, I think Brown was a wee bit underrated at times, but I certainly know what you mean, especially towards the last season. It got a bit pedestrian with the passing. McGregor is that type of player where he can turn defence into attack. And just going back to our, our tagline, that's what we hope Edward Michoud could be. I'm just wondering... Where that leaves this idea of a ball player, eh, a, a sort of ball winner, that sort of James McCarthy type. If you assume there's probably room in the squad for both, but eh, as we've sort of both said there, I don't think you can really sort of just rely on, on one. And that's the same for guys like um, Turnbull, O'Reilly, Hitati, you know, Kyogo. We, we saw last season, although it was a very successful season, when the, the squad was ravaged with injury or lower numbers. We did struggle. So I still think there's a bit of work to be done in the transfer window. Um, just one more thing on transfers before we go on. Dr. Nax comes back in. This is why Moy, as a free transfer, could be a good bit of business. What's your take on that? Because I know he was a player linked with us initially uh, when Ange first got the job. I think it's because of their, their past relationship being Australian. Um, what do you think of that? Do you think that would be someone who would bring in at 31 years old? Or is that too much like a McCarthy? Do you think they're going in a different direction? Well, whereabouts was he playing? Was it in the sort of Middle East playing sort of in Asia? China, I think. China he was playing, China. So I think if we were to get on my... I remember when he was playing for Huddersfield, he was, I thought he was absolutely brilliant when he was at Huddersfield. Even at Brighton, I thought he was a good player as well. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. So I wouldn't be against getting Aaron Moy, but that's me judging him off of two or three years ago. I can't say... I'm as clued up on Aaron Moy as others might be, but I don't see why not. A free transfer is a free transfer. There's not really much of a gamble about it. William Payton comes in. Ange doesn't need a ball winner in his team. Everyone has to win the ball back. I think that's an excellent point. It's something that I hadn't really considered because if you look at how much we how we press and how we go about our business, it seems to be everyone's job is to win the ball back. We defend as a team and we attack as a team. However, I think in Europe, you do need someone who can sort of man-mark a key player. Or because the, the danger is if everyone's attacking or everyone's pressing against these high-quality opposition, they're composed enough to get the ball past and, and just knock that um, pass out to one of the opposite players and you're, you're opened up. Um, Alan Robertson comes in. At home versus standard SPL teams, Cal Max should be wrapped up in Cotton Mool. That's why we have a squad. McGregor for key SPL games and in Europe. I agree with that. You agree with that? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think if there's room for rotation and we have an adequate replacement signed, like if we sign a new defensive midfielder or if we sign Mishu, 
we should be using in those sort of lower games. We should be sort of racing Cal McGregor because you ought to have him as fit as possible for these bigger games because that's how important he is to this Celtic team. You take him out of that team, we become worse. Do you think, though, with him being captain, that's a factor? Because in my mind, the captain always plays. I think unless there's a, a, a real sort of, maybe if you're playing, I don't know, East Stirling in the Scottish Cup, you can maybe rest the captain. Yeah. But I think in general, the captain plays. That's why I'm so um, interested to see where he play all the time. If sometimes you drop into that six, if you stay further forward, what does that then mean for Hitati? What's your take on that, the captain? How important it for, for you is the captain on the park and should they always play? Um, I get why you would think the captain should be playing every game, but uh, it makes me think back to the COVID season where Scott Brown was the captain of the squad. But for me, we were worse when he was in the team because Cal McGregor was having to cover from because he didn't have the legs anymore. But it was just making us a lot more vulnerable in the midfield. And when he announced that he was going to be leaving Celtic, he played every single game, basically, from January to the end of the season. And it just felt like it was nullifying us. It was sort of holding us down a bit. But Cal McGregor is obviously a different type of player from what Scott Brown was then. Cal McGregor is a quality player. If you could have him playing every single game, you would. But I think if you want to have Cal McGregor at his best for as long as possible, it would be good to rotate them in games where possible. Here's an interesting point. I wonder what your take on is in this. The underwater cabbie salesman, which is still one of my favourite um, Twitter handles ever, everyone is responsible for winning the ball back. But we are terrible at it. Hence the need for a specific ball winner. We got a controversial point for me. Um, what's, what's your initial reaction to that, James? Because uh, personally speaking, I don't agree with that. I actually think we were pretty strong at winning the ball back. I thought... yeah. Basically, like I said, Dizan and Cubo. Um, and in the park, and, and you know, Hitati, I think his off the ball work was very good, although, granted, at times he did look a bit jaded. Um, and I think McGregor's very good at that sort of high press. What's your take? Yeah, we've got so many hard workers in the team. You look at how much we press, how much Maeda and Kyogo, how much running Maeda and Kyogo do. And you mentioned Hitati there. Whenever Hitati loses the ball, the more times than none he wins the ball back so I think I really don't agree with that I don't agree with that No I actually I, I don't agree either but underwater, underwater cabbie salesman keep commenting because we, we do like your, your punch we do take them both Brown Warrior I think that answer is obvious Brian we need to revert to a 2-1 in midfield from a 1-2 and deploy either Idiguchi or McCarthy alongside McGregor as you had with Brown McGregor previously so this has been a thing I've seen quite a lot, um, sort of people asking about, people talking about. Do you think Ange will change his formation to suit different times? So me playing Europe, I know the approach is going to be the same. I think Ange is very, very clear that we're always going to attack, we're always going to press, we're always going to be aggressive, we're always going to be brave. I think that's very clear. But does that mean it's always going to be a 4-3-3? Can you see a situation where it does change the formation and revert back to that sort of 4 2 3 one we've had in previous seasons? I think maybe in Europe it would go with sort of two holding midfielders again if we get a ball winning midfielder maybe we'd have him and McGregor sitting together but I think it goes against sort of all Andy's philosophies and always goes on about how we play attacking football we never stop we always go for it so I don't see and sort of bringing the midfield back a bit for the European games I think he really wants to go with these teams yeah, I, mean, I don't think he'll ever change that approach. I just, I just wonder if, you know, I know, I think the only once or twice we've played by back three domestically. He, he sort of switched up a bit. The style of play was really similar. I'm just wondering if, you know, because I don't think he's ever going to be in a situation where, say, we draw Real Madrid, as Callum McGregor mentioned on um, Celtic TV the other day, once they draw, that we would sit in and, and have the you Amazad know, attacking us just defending for, for 90 minutes. I don't see that happening, but. It would be interesting to see, um, as Brown Warrior says, if we do changes that are rotate. Um, and just finally, before we move on, Frank Kennedy comes in. Just because your captain shouldn't mean you don't get dropped. If the captain isn't playing well, he should be dropped like anybody else. Frank, I absolutely agree with that, actually. Um, I was talking kind of, you know, 
in terms of ideally, but you're, you're spot on if the captain's having a howler. Um, he's going to get dropped. I think that's absolutely fair. Um, we mentioned earlier on about players playing under pressure, and the likes of Kyogo, Hitati, Maeda, and Iriguchi are going to be playing under a wee bit of pressure of a different kind when Celtic poor Japan, or it's not officially been announced yet, but it looks as if they're going to be touring in Japan. Seems kind of like a no-brainer to me. Um, what's your take on that, James? What's your thoughts on these kind of overseas tours? Um do you think it should just be pre-season where we go there? Do you think it should be middle of the season like it will be this year with the Sydney Cup? What's your sort of overall take? I mean, if there's a break where there's a gap in football, I don't see why not. If there's an opportunity to tap into different markets. I mean, Celtic is a global club. If there's opportunities to get other people on board and support the club, I don't see why we wouldn't. You've just got to look at Spurs. They've seen great success with Son Heung Min over in the South Korean market. And you've just got to look at even Celtic in the Australian market, we're going for the Sydney Super Cup and just doing interviews with Australian media sort of every other month. So we're really big over in Australia now with Andrew's appointment. And with these Japanese players, you just got to look at Kyogo and uh, Maeda. When they went back over, they got big receptions at their respective clubs. I don't know if you've seen the photo of Maeda holding up the Celtic jersey in front of all the Yokohama Marinos fans. It was a really good photo. So it, it's good to tap into these different markets and to get get these different sort of fans on our side. Yeah, and I think I think for, for Celtic, I know the, the Sydney Cup was a bit controversial because we'd we'd invited an, an unruly element initially, but now we've got um, Everton coming in their place, which I think should be pretty fun to go over. It does seem like Celtic need to sort of diversify their income wherever possible. Do you think we're doing that enough, James? Do you think we're dipping into these different markets enough? We, like, like Japan, like Australia, should we be doing more to you sort of try and capture that audience, or do you think we just need to let you know that sort of things take care of itself and concentrate on the football? Um, I think I, I agree with what you said. The thing, those sort of things take care of themselves. Now, you don't want to sign a player just for the sake of going into another market. The quality of the player's got to be there. We signed Kyogo because he's a quality player, not because he wanted to sort of reach out to a different audience to get them on our side we want to sign these players because they're good enough for Celtic and these sort of things come as a bonus and we're getting financial bonuses now by being able to go over and visit these places Absolutely spot on so pre-season game again tonight um, looking ahead to Bannock Ostrava but just before we look ahead let's look back on Rapid Vieira and just some of your thoughts James on that one of the big talking points was the, the sort of the glaring mistake at the back. Um, so say with the argument, was it CCV's fault for a slight back pass or was it Joe Hart's? Uh, I think it was Carter Vickers' fault. Uh, it really wasn't a good pass. But like, then again, I don't think you can look too much into these things. It is just pre-season. The players haven't played together in nearly two months. So a rustiness can be expected. If there's any time to be making mistakes, you would rather they make the mistakes now than in the Champions League in a few months. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's, it's one of those situations where if you're going to you're going to do things wrong or do things crazy or try something different, you do it in pre-season. It's something that was levelled at us a little bit last season, though. For as good as Hart has been, and he we've, we've sort of waxed lyrical about him on this show, um, and I think he has been excellent. There were times where your heart and mouth stuff, pardon the pun, last season with the ball at his feet. Um, do you think that's something that is going to punish us in the Champions League? Because, yeah, you can get away with being a bit slack or a bit, you know, nervy because you're usually pretty confident the defence can sweep that up. But against a, a, a sort of swarming Bayern Munich attack, can we afford to take those sort of chances? Um, or is it the case that we stick to our principles and, and just keep on going and, and hope that it doesn't quite work? Yeah, we just need to stick to the game plan, stick to Poster Coglu's philosophy. I think. Whenever these sort of Joe Hart mistakes or brain farts have happened, it's always sort of been really early on in the season. Like last season, the mistakes came against sort of AZ Alkmaar was is the one that stands out to me, and that was right at the beginning of the Postacoglu tenure when we were still had Stephen Welsh as a starting centre back, and Carl Stalfelt was still a bomb scare at this point. And the the Joe Hart mistake has happened here in a pre-season friendly where the team's still rusty. I think. You can't look too much at these sort of things. I think 
he'll, he'll be just fine in Europe. But I hope I haven't jinxed him here. Uh, I certainly hope you haven't jinxed him either, James, because that would be terrible. And I will set the whole of the internet on you <laughs> if that's the case. In terms of uh, tonight, so in the pre-season games we've seen, um, which I think you called actually, was um, two separate teams, first and second half. Do you think as we get closer to the season starting proper, that will continue? Or do you think we start to see a sort of more settled team for a close longer? Or do you think it's a sort of almost a free-for-all at this stage just to see who can sort of change Postacoglu's mind or if there's something there we hadn't seen before? I think whilst we're in Austria, it's just about getting minutes in the legs, players trying to prove themselves to the manager. But as we sort of go back to Celtic Park, and we're playing the sort of lower English teams. I think it's Norwich and Blackburn we've got in the friendlies. You'll really get to see a picture of what players are going to be the starters for next season coming to the Champions League games and to the league. Absolutely right. John comes in here to tell us that <laughs> we're rattling on a bit. Quick boys, slow it down a bit. John, there's just there's so much to get through in an hour. And uh, when you're talking about Celtic, you can't help but get yourself excited. Um, but on the, the pre-season friendly tonight, obviously it's just about fitness and performance, but how much do results matter in pre-season? I know this is something that people talk about. With the man you played Liverpool the other night and beat them 4-0. But if we don't win the remainder of our pre-season games, does it sort of affect your confidence getting into the season or we just put it down to an exercise? How important is it, do you think, for the players and for you as a fan, James, these pre-season results? Well, you made a good point there about the Man United and Liverpool game. Does anybody really think that Manchester United are going to finish above Liverpool in the Premiership this season? No, they don't. Those sort of results are just anomalies. You can't look too much into the pre-season, I think. Celtic will be just fine. You'll be able to judge us. I would start getting nervous if the first few games of the season don't go our way. But the first few games of last season didn't go away and we ended up winning the title. So I think it's more just trusting and and just hoping that the team get the job done. Absolutely right. Alan Robertson comes in here. Anyone else enjoying the Celtic TV pre-season content on YouTube? Good to see the guys so relaxed off the training patch. Great squad and no egos apparent. Now the reason I bring that up is because we quite rightly slaughtered Celtic media over the course of the sort of 10 in a row season because it was radio silence a lot of times. It seems as if we're getting trolled by constant birthday wishes instead of, mm-hmm. sort of any sort of information at the club or the manager at the time who's under scrutiny. Instead of Neil Lennon being sacked. I'll say what I mean, I won't mess about, but it has been a marked change. How have you enjoyed that? Because I th- I, there's reason I bring this, this up, but how have you enjoyed it so far? Because it has been quite different from what we've been used to. Well, I think it's all well, the, the new guy, Ryan, that seems to be running things. I'm not sure how you pronounce his set name, but the new guy, Ryan, it's new content, it's new sort of content, but it gives you a lot more insight into the Celtic players. There's a lot more footage of how the players interact sort of behind the scenes, what the social groups are like. And they had a sort of a 15-minute interview with Ralston and Greg Taylor, which was basically just a laugh and a joke about and it just it gives the fans a lot of content and their sort of Celtic fill well the well the season's on a break so it's just giving the fans just their Celtic fill well there's nothing going on the reason I bring it up is because mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. 
the best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I think the squad comes across very personable. Whether it's been in like fan media interviews or these sort of behind-the-scenes clips or the training videos you've seen. And I think that's indicative of what Postacoglu's brung. I talk about it all the time, the fact that he sort of, um, he said that he signs people instead of just players. And I, I kind of love that. I think that's really important. And I think it really shows. And I think it shows in how unified they are. Um, do you think that that sort of culture within the club, the fact that players are enjoying it a bit more. Do you think that's something that will survive results? So what I mean by that is, if we are under pressure, if results are going our way, will that sort of dressing room culture, that sort of harmony, survive it? Will it be under pressure? Because we weren't really, although we were under pressure at the start of the season last season, you know, it, it did develop and we were pretty successful. Do you think we're strong enough and that squad's strong enough to handle that sort of mental side? Because playing in the Champions League and potentially, you know, having a couple of black eyes, as I said, and the pressure of trying to beat last season's domestic performance, it's a lot of pressure. And, you know, yeah, they all like a laugh and a joke, but that's going to get strained at some point, surely. Well, you've just got to look back to last season. The team could have just looked at that 4-0 battering off Leverkusen at home. And we could have just sort of faltered for there, but we didn't. We could have faltered after the 1-0 defeat to Rangers at Ibrox, but we didn't. We pushed on and we won the league and we won the League Cup. We've got a very strong mental squad. There's a lot of model professionals there. Joe Hart has been there and done it all. Greg Taylor's... You've just got to look at these players when they're speaking to the media as well. Joe Hart, Greg Taylor, Cal McGregor. The way they speak about the club and they defend their teammates as well from the media whenever they try to sort of pull their shenanigans. That's a very united squad and that's just only going to breed success in the future. There is something that really concerns me though for what I've seen and it's this, as Alan Robertson said, the Celtic players are loving Love Island. I mean, that's the Ratha, a YouTube peer, but that, that, that did make me question the mentality of the squad a wee bit, if I'm honest, but that's just because I'm forced to watch it in the house all the time. Um, <clears throat> One of the things McGregor said in those interviews was that he wants Real Madrid in the Champions League. Do you think that's indicative of the ambition of the squad? Do you think it's it's more than just the fact, because we know players want to play against the best players, right? And it is the glamour tie, but do you think it's more the fact that they think we can go and prove ourselves against Real Madrid? And would you want that type of draw or would you prefer an easier draw in the Champions League? Well, I, th- I think it would say more about the players if they said they were wanting easier draws in the Champions League. The fact that they're aiming high and they've got these lofty ambitions to face these glamour sides, it just shows how high the spirits are in the Celtic camp at the moment. I would rather that we get the easiest draw possible just to ease my nerves and also give us the best possible chance to go through the next round. But the fact that the players are aiming this high just shows... So how how good the players are feeling right now at the club and do you you know granted Champions League do you want the sort of so-called easiest draw or would you take your sort of glamorising the Champions League what is your sort of expectations versus your aspirations for this draw what, what would your preference be James well I'd be a lot happier to see Eintracht Frankfurt come out of pot one than Real Madrid, I'll just say that. I think, um, I actually think I would, I'm kind of quite open to who we get because I just feel like, um, you know, irrespective, we're going to play our game and we're going to go for it. And I think that, you know, Ridiculizer actually comes in, great team spirit, all out attack, regardless of venue, competition or opponent. I totally agree with that. But almost more than that, I just feel like, you know, if we did through Bodo Glint, 
as we did last year, you'd have taken that before that game. Everyone would have said, oh yeah, draw them, it's going to be an easy draw. And we get absolutely battered. They were probably the best team we played last year, I think. If I'm honest, they were Leverkusen. Um, so I don't know if necessarily getting the, the big teams means that it's harder, if that makes sense. Because you get a team that's in a, a, a period of transition, that's not in great form, that's actually struggling a wee bit. So I think I would rather just test ourselves against the best because imagine you get a Real Madrid and you beat them. How good would that be at Celtic Park? It could do in history. In players as well. Sorry? The boost to the players and the, the squad. The, player, the rest of the season. I think it's, and I think it's one of those things in the sort of, that's attractive about the Champions League and attractive about how Poster Coglu really wants to, to play. Um, Patrick McLaughlin comes in. He says, three teams we haven't seen at Celtic Park would be good. Aye, well, we don't want, you know, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, and well, who else do we usually always get? We usually get someone else. Um, Ajax, I somewhat definitely want Ajax. Um, Milko Ross comes in. I'd rather have an easier group. Um, I think that's fair, but I suppose my point is what negotiates an easy group these days? Because I think the, the teams are so close. Into it. Obviously, there's probably the same four or five will win it, but um, as long as you don't get them in the one group, you're fine. But I think it'd be interesting to see how good these players actually are because I think it's harder to, to, to tell the draw. Um, but yeah, I think I think everyone's sort of agreeing in the comments that would like to draw uh, Frankfurt. I think that would be yeah. that would be um, fairly fairly comfortable. And, I just um, want the easiest team as possible. Sorry, I know. I just want the easiest team as possible because I know that and there's going to be people that will ask for the big teams. We'll get the big teams. And then we'll get absolutely hammered off the big teams. And then we'll be complaining about where we are in Europe again. So I would just rather get the easiest teams possible so that we can make as good a push as we possibly can. Because I'd, I would rather we went far in Europe than getting our, maybe a, a surprise result against a team in the group stage. And I would rather we made that out of the group than sort of a, a surprise result in the group stages. Gary Melrose comes in. The glamour teams can be a collection of individuals and have a bad night. The rest are superbly organised footballing technicians. There's no easy team, just different ways to get hammered. Well, that's very optimistic, eh, Gary? Um, but I do take your point on board. Um, when we talk about players saying things, Kyogo has got a thrown the gauntlet down and said that he wants to be the, the top goal scorer in the league. Do you think that's something that... Because remember... You know, Jakimakis last season was sort of criticised because he was very vocal about how he thought Celtic were the best team in the league, that should win the league, they're the best players. How do you feel that these sort of comments, do you think that's something, do you think that's a bit of, you know, Kyogo just being a bit boisterous and sort of throwing the gauntlet down to his teammates? Do you think he's basically saying to the rest of the league, you know, as good as me? What's your take on that? Is it just overconfidence? Uh, do you think he means it? And do you think he's capable of um, doing that? I don't think it's him trying to be like arrogant or anything towards the rest of the league. I think it's just showing how high he is on his current abilities because if he didn't get injured last season, then chances are he probably would have been the top scorer in the league. I, I'm, I, I quite like when the players come out in the media and sort of say things like that. But especially when you're winding up someone like Ryan Jack in the media, then it just makes it all the more better. Yep, and it. Uh... Paul comes in to agree with you here. Um, it's just Kyogo being real. The only thing in the way of Kyogo in top score award is injury and rest. And I think that's spot on, actually. I'm kind of with you. I kind of like the the sort of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, when players do sort of do that confident talk. I think it's a, um, it's really good. Uh, on the subject of the draw, John Sweeney comes in to say, Frank Clark would get a great reception at Celtic Park. John, I think you're absolutely right. Kaiser comes in. I'm up for a group of death. I think if we get involved in a dogfight of a group, we can pull off, we can pull points off teams. I don't know if I really want a group of death, but I don't think I would fear it. And I think that's something that, um, you know, something that we need to look forward to. And I don't think Andrew was saying, oh, I want that team and not that team. And I think that confidence filters through the squad. Brian New comes in as well. I'd like one real glamour side and two beautiful teams. But I'd like four beautiful teams. <laughs> it just depends on, on, on what we're going to get 
one of the things with the squad is talk about guys like Hugo is the confidence and getting into that. How confident are you in the players improving? Because I think, you know, one of the things, Kyogo was an excellent last season, we all know that, but he didn't really have a pre-season. He kind of came in late and was thrown in straight into the, the deep end. You can say the same for Hitati, O'Reilly, Maeda, um, Jota, Starfield, certainly to an extent. How big an improvement do you see in those players and how important do you think it is, even more so, or is it just as important as new signings coming in? I think playing at a high level against these sort of Champions League calibre teams is only going to improve the players in the squad. And I think we're going to see a whole new side of Rio Hitati and Dyson Maeda as well, and even Kyogo, because they joined sort of halfway or right at the end of their seasons. So they were basically playing a season and a half or basically two seasons in the equivalent of one season. So I think we've got a whole new sort of outlet to see from those players. And we always hear from the Japanese journalists or the Australian journalists that the second season under Ange is always better than the first season. So the first season's the the roller coaster ride, and then the second season is the plane sailing where we're supposed to blow everybody away. So hopefully, if we listen to these journalists and we believe them, then there's going to be a lot of improvements in that squad for the next half of the season. I can't help but, but agree with that, actually. It's one of the things that um, I think Kev Graham uh, and your good self and I spoke about last week was the fact that one of the reasons I'm really excited about this pre-season is because I can see he's been so much better. You know, I think just we finished the season so strongly last season. We've already strengthened in left-back, which was a concern for, for, for most of us. And every player in that squad, I think, every single one, including guys that are a bit more maligned, like Stephen Welsh, eh, Mikey Johnson, even guys like James MacArthur, eh, James Forrest, another one, they've all looked quite sharp, I think, pre-season. I think they all look a bit fitter and a bit stronger. So I think, you know, the squad already is looking, or potentially looking a bit better. If we didn't sign anyone else, just if we don't sign any other players, would you still be confident of winning the league as is? Yeah, I would be confident. We've we had a league winning team already, and we've added quality to the left back. So I think I'd be fairly confident was winning the league. I'd be just fine with it, and I'd like to. I don't think I can start the comments, but there's a comment from at Celtic forward there. They mentioned Harry Kules making a big difference to the attacking players. So it's not just the players in the park that are going to help develop us and help us improve for Angie's second season, it's the new acquisitions in the backroom as well. It's a player of Harry Kuehl's quality of what he was back in the day. It's players learning from him, guys like Katati and O'Reilly, it's only going to make Celtic even better. No, I absolutely agree. Um, Paul and Morgan comes in, I think he kind of backs that up. Looking at the stage and age of career, we've got a lot of individual development to see from many of our players. I feel that this has much been very much deliberately engineered. And I think that plays to your point. I think the changes Andrew's made to the coaching staff, to the setup, to getting these B players training with the first team squad again and actually trying to create a pathway has been something that has been very pleasing. It's not the most sort of obvious thing, but I think it's something that's going to bear us in really good stead moving forward. Um and just with that in mind, do you think you know, we mentioned guys like Wall earlier. Are you expecting to see tonight some more B-team players we've maybe not seen so far? And if so, is there anyone you want to see that haven't featured so far? Well, I've heard a lot of big things about uh, young Ben Summers. I've, if you've been keeping up with Lewis Laird on Twitter, you'll know all about all the B-team players. Ben Summers is apparently a very impressive player, so I'd like to see a bit of him. But the other, other players, it's obviously the sort of headline players that everybody speaks about. I'm very interested to see a lot more uh, Rocco Vata. I would love it if he started, to be honest with you. But Vata, Loal, another player, we've not mentioned him yet, but I've been banging on about him. I'm pretty sure you have as well since before pre-season. Toby Oluwayemi, he's mentioned before, he's very highly rated. I would like to see him get a start, but it's been Seagrest and Hart that have been the goalkeepers so far. Maybe Toby will get his chance. Got to hope so. Um, we're going to finish off with some really positive feedback. 
Lucy, I'm going to say, first time I saw Brian in the chair, and I think he's doing good. Lucy, actually nice to see the check is in the mail. Um, for everyone else, thanks so much for watching. Um, a Celtic State of Mind, please, as I said, like and subscribe. We will be back next week with our, our normal three faces, and we've got bulletins every day of the week moving forward. Um, tonight, we'll have some reaction from the, the pre-season friendly, so please tune into that. Um, as all things, be kind to each other, be nice, tune into Axel. phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.